Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters and everyone in between. I can't believe I've said that so often and I nearly forgot it then. <laughs> How many times have we said that and I nearly got it wrong? That's well, maybe you were channeling a previous um, a previous life, previous yeah. existence. Yeah, maybe. No, it's definitely the quantum mechanics. We've also got to start with a little bit of an apology. That's quite all right. Daisy Black left us a message on Facebook after listening to last week's podcast. So uh, last week's podcast was on... Uh, screen memories, alien abduction. Are they screen memories? Are they dreams? Are they dreams? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Daisy Black just commented, "I had a really bad nightmare after listening to this episode." Oh no, I'm sorry. That is not what it was supposed to be. No. So I do apologise for that. It, although they didn't say whether it was because of our chilling, scary content or just our bad delivery. It could have been that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're a nightmare. We we won't put that on our review section. I listened to this podcast. It gave me nightmares. Well, what we didn't tell everybody was we're, we're playing sort of tennis with a cold at the moment. Yeah. And it was your chance, your, your turn to have it last week. It was indeed, yes. And the other thing I'm really fascinated about. So we said last week that Ben was off to Whitby where you were going to stay or you did stay. I did stay in Bram Stoker's flat. Bram Stoker's flat. And yes. uh, we are recording in the evening, so I don't know if there's any <laughs> vampiric activity. I timed it perfectly. Do you know, it was the least spooky flat I've ever been in. For really? a term. Yeah, it was beautiful. Really very well done. If you get the chance and you're into vampires, it's. I would definitely stay there. It's, it's sort of, um, it's just a nice sort of Airbnb place. Right. But Whitby was lovely when to see the Abbey. There's a lot of vampire folklore around there yeah. and there's a lot of people who enjoy dressing up as vampires which was a lot of fun to see you spotted some did you? i did i did spot some yeah mm. but i didn't i didn't feel anything approaching spooky sadly right. although i did see the most spooky thing i saw was i hadn't realized how close it was to filingdales which is obviously synonymous with ufo sightings yeah. and you can see if you go past filingdales i'm sure local people in the area you know this very well but there's a huge sort of antenna array but it's very hard to say what it is it's a very strange sort of monolithic object and you can see that from whitby abbey and so whilst my partner was taking pictures of all the beautiful gothic architecture i was taking pictures of <laughs> the filing dales radar array just wondering what ufos they were looking at it's 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 a paranormal podcaster's dream isn't it it really is it really is and um it was also a dream i took my new puppy up there and he went on the beach for the first time oh. It was very cute. It was very cute. He was only five months old, so it was all a bit of a big um, uh, learning experience for him, seeing waves. <laughs> I love that. Speaking of waves. Is this a segue? I think so. Yeah, It's it. what passes as a segue. Go, go for it. We've spoken in, um, in the past about waves of UFO sightings. Yep. And uh, some of them are called flaps. And one of the, the I think frustrating things about ufo sightings is quite often they're just sort of one person two people and they might be a shaky photograph or it might just be an account but of course there are loads of sightings f that where there are crowds yeah and one of the things about crowds in the past is that you can sort of discount them if you try and work backwards where we're going today is ufos observed by crowds and then a really, really bizarre case 
which takes us into the world of a pop musician who you love. I'll keep it. Uh, I'll keep it to to the end because uh, that's sort of the denouement. But it's very interesting that a famous pop star who you will definitely have heard of named his backing group after this event. But just to illustrate what I mean, I think this is very famous. The um, April the fourteenth, fifteen sixty one. Nuremberg, Germany incident. Have you you will have come across this, I'm sure. Yeah, yes, I have heard of this. There is also Is there a painting of it or am I getting It's a woodcut. Yes, it's yes, a woodcut. Yes. Yeah, and, in a church or somewhere or? Uh, I think you're thinking of this. I'm holding up a picture now. Yes, that's exactly yes. what I was thinking of. Yeah, there's a very famous woodcut, but it depicts a um a black spear-shaped object which appears at blotting out the sky and there's an enormous crash which rattles across the city and um in this woodcut you can see there's smoke, there's clearly something has happened. And for ages it was regarded as one of the most important UFO sightings. Certainly it's one of the things that I read about when I started getting interested in the subject. And it's still regarded by enthusiasts as sort of being proof of extraterrestrial presence having some sort of a battle over Nuremberg. But, of course, just to spoil everyone's fun, <laughs> sceptics and scientists have another view, right. and they say it's mass hysteria, a topic we've covered a lot before. But they say, no, no, this is just natural occurring um, phenomena some people say that they are ice crystals in the sky right. and that causes the sun to have blood red crescents at sunrise i don't know but it's one of those things where i was like oh really we're now going to put that down to um was there is there a kind of there's, there's always a meteor kind of explanation as well you know or a, you know some of those early artworks from around that time, and like, oh no, it was just a comet, or it was a meteor shower, or whatever. But um, it's interesting the crashing bit, though, isn't it? Because I mean, yes, of course, you can get that with with uh, a meteor shower. But yeah, there's something about that pi- picture that is quite haunting, and it is. I mean, mass hysteria—it's an easy go-to, isn't it? I, I'm fascinated with mass hysteria, and certainly we've covered it on the podcast before, but. Um, is there any supporting evidence to say, yes, no, it was a mass hysteria event? I don't know. Not really, except that if you if you work backwards, you can find you can find explanations for some of the things that happened. So there isn't a there isn't a smoking gun of a meteor or anything like that, but a, a meteor would cause perhaps smoking on the ground, that sort of thing. Actually, at the time a lot of people saw it as a sign from God. Right. As of course they might. But it was just like, that's an example of loads of people saw it. It was widely reported. Oh, yeah, but it's mass hysteria, isn't it? Another example of that is the Zimbabwe incident. We have touched on this, but if you don't know it, it's uh, 1994, 62 school children all reported seeing an alien craft land and an extraterrestrial creature emerge. I think you probably have come across this, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Every, well, virtually every single one of the 62 children basically came forward with the same story and the same details, and none has gone back against that. Many dismissed the incident as mass hysteria, though, affecting the children. Uh, this was accounted for in an academic journal. So where I started this investigation was kind of looking at, um, again, scientific journals which were covering the medical side of mass, um, not mass hallucinations, but mass reporting of similar things. Everybody comes together with the same tale, just like the Zimbabwe one. And, and 
it seems that there is an encounter or that it seems like something paranormal has happened. But actually, if uh, you analyse it psychologically, you can prove or you can suggest very strongly that it isn't a real incident. And that has happened with this incident in Zimbabwe. When the children were found to not have had much knowledge uh, of UFOs or popular UFO assumptions, that's where many people sort of think, well, okay, it must be real. But... Uh, since then, there's been loads of accounts of like, well, um, there was a lot of stress on the children. One of the schools down the road was going to close. They were worried about an exam. And then when you really look at it, um, maybe the kids were following their lead. So there are some which aren't identical. One person says the UFO is green. The other one says it's black. It's all, It's like, OK, I can see that. But then you kind of go, well, but humans are bad um, they're bad witnesses. So it could just be that. Nobody really knows. But I was just like, again, mass sighting. You would think at a school with a head teacher there, you could put your arms around it and go, that is definitely a UFO encounter. I mean, what's interesting about that is is if there is no particular interest in UFOs from those kids that they go to that. Because like you said, they might go for something else, mightn't they? You know, something a bit more uh quasi-religious or whatever but i always think with these things these mass hysteria events there's there has to be some kind of trigger for it just that a school's closing down i know we'll all have a mass hysteria about ufos yeah yeah and i i accept it could be one kid who's set the whole thing off and everybody's kind of gone for it who was into ufos i'm not discounting that but you always think, even with the one we did on um, the people who danced themselves to death. Yes, the Tarantula. Yes, so basically to summarise that story, we had covered it a couple of times, but yeah, it was a town and a couple of people started dancing and then everybody joined in, you know, and it wasn't just an afternoon fun of dancing. It went on for days and days and days. People were passing out, people were not eating. But you kind of think... Well, what started it? You know what I mean? Maybe one person dancing, but this example of, yeah, a school's closing down or we're stressed about exams. I know, let's all see a UFO <laughs> with an alien. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So that got me thinking. There is one place where you get lots of people together with an open sky and there's normally cameras there, either professional, if not amateur, and that's football matches. Yes. And that this very much ties into where we're going with this. This is this is where I thought, aha, uh, nice. we got a story here. Nice. So I started looking around thinking, how many UFOs are seen at football matches? Because that would be interesting. Yeah. Turns out quite a lot. Really? So this one, the first one I came across was um, over the Notre Dame Stadium. It's reported by the Daily Mail in 2011. And it talks about a shining long object was spotted by football fans racing across the sky above an Indiana stadium after the game was halted because of a lightning storm. So that was this is good because this allows us to also think, aha, so if there's a lightning storm going on, everyone is being evacuated, but the cameras keep rolling. You know when you've got to fill yeah. airtime, the yeah. cameras are pointing at the sky. And that is indeed what happened. Oh, they Spe captured something. Yeah. Spectators watched as the flying object was captured by TV cameras as lightning forks came down during the game between the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the University of South Florida. 
As fans were evacuated from the stadium after play was halted for a second time at the match, a tube-shaped, elongated object was spotted circling in the sky. Now, that is quite interesting because I have read many accounts of UFOs being um, uh, sort of synonymous with weather events and most likely um, uh, thunder and lightning. The sports reporters began talking about the lightning and then when they when the camera picked up the object the the sports reporter actually on the video well it's not video it's on the transmission but it's captured in the video start talking about the object and it's that makes a sudden sharp curve disappearing action into the same cloud a few seconds later and then lightning shoots up. So it's one of these things where the object is quite far away and it's very difficult to tell the size of it with the cloud, but it is, it, I would estimate it to be about lorry-sized. And it's very unusual. It's definitely uh, not a, an artefact because it can't be added after the event because right. it was seen live on, yeah, yeah. on camera. And a lot, of the, um, a lot of the spectators saw it as well with their own eyes. I mean, is is the sceptic view it's just a, a kind of strange weather event? I guess that's the out, is it? Well, it's one of those... I mean, it could be a strange weather event. Actually, I found a, a UFO reporting website that was actually pitching it the other way around, saying the weather event was caused by the UFO, oh, okay. which I think might be a very long close, shot. Very close encounters of the third kind, isn't it? Oh, yes, of course it is. Yes, yes, it is. But when you've captured something on camera and a lot of people with their own eyes have seen it, even then it doesn't seem to make too much impact. Even then, that's weird, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's another great example here that the, uh, the football club... <laughs> now, <laughs> pronunciation at the ready... Okay. Uh, Jarez Bravos, I think, is a professional soccer ball team. They took a photo, which was, well, they shared a photo, rather, that was taken by one of their fans of a UFO flying high above their stadium whilst they were playing their game. The photo, I've, I've seen it. It sort of shows a bright yellow sun, so they're taking a picture of the setting sun coming down behind the stadium, and there's a small dark speck in the sun, but when you zoom up on it, this photograph was taken at the game. The person who took the photograph examined it, saw the speck, sent it to the football team. They then zoomed in on it, and you get this saucer shape. It's definitely a flying saucer by the looks of it. So just so I'm clear, they didn't spot it during the game. It was post the game? Photograph was taken during the game, but they did, it wasn't like everybody was playing and looking up, going, "Oh my no, god, there's a UFO!" No, we're right. coming on to a few of those, but no, okay. this one was like spotted by a fan, and then the football um, team got involved and said, "What is this?" And they wouldn't have spotted it had this photographer not been taking a picture of kind of like the beautiful setting sun that was yeah, happening. Yeah, cool. There's another really interesting one. This one fascinates me, and I'm not going to leave this as a mystery because I do know what happened here. During a live uh, broadcast on CBS of the Dallas Cowboys versus the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Three Rivers Stadium on October 28, 1979, two UFOs appeared. So they were shown live during the broadcast. The two commentators for CBS during that game were two people called... Uh, this, is, this is pertinent to the story... Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire. And there's a brilliant piece where they sort of um, 
the article I'm reading has pulled apart the video and pulls out the bits where um, Pat shouts, what are those things flying around up there? And Tom replies, they just come kind of illusion, but Pat just can't stop looking at them. <laughs> Imagine he's the football commentator. And he goes, do hope we get another look at them. And then about a minute later, the cameraman working the game zooms all the way in on these two UFOs hovering above the stadium. And Pat again shouts, there it is, what is that? And Tom says, it just keeps saying, take us to your leader, I don't know. And was, was he being um, sarcastic or was he... <laughs> Sounds like he'd almost, he'd almost was, got... I, I think he was really worried that he was going to lose his job as a football commentator right, right. because Pat is going crazy at this. <laughs> and when you see the video, it's very weird. It's two flickering globes, basically, that, right. again, it's very hard to find the size of them. But they are flying high above the stadium and they're moving slowly and slightly erratically and they're distracting the crowd from the game. And, of course, the cameraman just keeps going back to them. Wow. I'm thinking two things. They could be alien visitors who are just... I'd love those UFOs to be in the colours of each one of the teams and they've just come to watch the game. I also thought whether people um, in the stadium would go... That is a hell of a halftime show. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah, we get Justin Timberlake and UFOs. Brilliant. <laughs> well, it stayed as UFO law for a long time until. You're going to disappoint me now, aren't you? A couple of years ago, a fan came out and said, actually, they're kites and my dad made them. Oh. And he made them spe specifically to look like UFOs. Wow. So he'd fooled everybody and. They didn't come forward because they were worried about getting into trouble with CBS. Right. They probably didn't think it was going to kick off like it did. They didn't. No, they didn't think that they were going to get, you know, get the cameras pointing at them. I mean, but, I don't know how many people go to that game, but it sounds like quite a big uh, American football game. It is a big game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was seen by, I mean, it was seen by a national audience yeah. on television in 1989. And there is a cautionary tale there, isn't there? Just how easily, and maybe that, I, it's interesting you're tying mass hysteria into it. That's kind of what I was talking about of like an event, a trigger. Do you know what I mean? And once you go down that road, you feed into it. But it, it is a cautionary tale of, you can be fooled by a dad who makes two kites. <laughs> yes, it completely, absolutely. And it's, so some of the things that have been put forward for why there are sightings at U of, of UFOs at football matches is that they're great um, advertising opportunities. So the right. Goodyear blimp, for yeah. example. But here's something I didn't realise. In the early days of uh, a aerial advertising, and this was targeted at football matches, there wasn't just people flying banners over. People would shout down at you. So you there'd be a plane that would fly over, <laughs> and then with a megaphone, there would be somebody well. going... <laughs> yeah, smoke capstan at full strength. Right, right. Yeah, so aerial shouting was a legitimate check out, form check of advertising. Check out Bert's car lot. <laughs> that's right, that's what they would do. Wow. And they would fly over um, fly over football grounds to do it wow. because it's the best way of attracting the most people. I guess football as well, I mean, I'm thinking from a, a British kind of soccer perspective, but mass hysteria, you can see how it might take hold because there is that tribalism there, you know, you're losing yourself, especially at a lot of football games, it's a lot of way of getting out aggression. And so you're, 
you're hyper aroused in that sense. That's and yes. you're hyper alert and your adrenaline's flowing and all the passions are flowing. You can see how some level of mass hysteria could take hold. It's interesting. And it's also if if that mass hysteria does take hold, then it sort of it, it, it what it will do is slow down the game so it becomes more noticeable. Yeah. I'm surprised there's not, I don't know if you've got any, but I'm surprised there's not more sightings at like Test Max Cricket. cricket, Because there's loads of pauses in play and it's quite a slow moving game. And if you've ever watched Test Match Cricket, there are loads of segments of shots outside the ground and all that stuff. Because they're fiddling time, aren't they, in between stuff. They are, yeah. You haven't got any cricket ones. I haven't got any cricket ones. Yeah. Because I was leading up to... This is this is the what this is the big one. Okay. We're at the Stadio Artemio Franchi, which is a place that's been going for many years. It's played host to many, many famous games, including a World Cup quarterfinal in 1934. In Italy, this is. Right. The Spaghetti Bowl held during World War II, and a David Bowie concert in the late 80s. Oh. And there's a reason for this. Hold on, hold on, there's a good reason. Alright. But nothing will rival the mysterious events which took place on the 27th of October 1954. Now, I want to let you know, when I was researching this, there's there's some very, very good pieces of uh, journalism around this, and I wanted to find all of them, so I enlisted the help of AI. Okay. ChatGPT... You have rows <laughs> with ChatGPT. I use it I sometimes. I did have a row with it. I use it sometimes, and it's really helpful to me. You use it, and it just kind of tells you you're an idiot and paranormal stuff doesn't exist. It told me this this event had never happened. Oh, really? <laughs> and it told me what had happened on the 27th of October 1954 was a heavy fog had descended on the stadium and stopped play. That is not what the BBC or other sources tell me. Does any source tell you that? Or are they just lying to you now? No, there's no evidence that there was any... What is going on with you and ChatGPT? It just, it hates the paranormal is what it does. No, but it's fine with me. Is it? Yeah, no, I've, I've used it a few times. It always does a cautionary, you know, uh, you know, there's no hard evidence and scientists would disbelieve it. But yeah, I don't seem to have the issues... You have. It's getting close to going, just go away. Stop bothering me. I did you. I did type in, I said, Well, you're wrong. And it said, I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um Halloween was still four days away. And I'm by the way, this is this is as you as I told you, compiled from about six different sources. And th- sorry, this is nineteen fifty three. Fifty four. Fifty four. Twenty seventh okay. of October. Cool. And here we are, it's making history in front of 10,000 people as Florentina play rivals... Oh, gosh. I did practice this as well. Pistoese in a friendly. The home side were comfortably ahead 6-2 early in the second half. Well, that's a good game. It's a very good game. When a disturbance in the sky commanded the attention of everybody in attendance. The players even stopped their duties on the field to peer up at the commotion in the clouds. The spectators initially let out a roar before falling silent as, well, this very peculiar thing, an unidentified object had appeared and the thousands in attendance stood frozen, their eyes fixated on a disc-shaped object performing acrobatics in the clouds above them. 
This performance lasted about 15 minutes and an egg-shaped spacecraft, or what we assume is a spacecraft, zoomed off just as fast as it had appeared, but not before emitting silver flakes of a stringy type substance, which covered the landscape, including the trees. Now this is angel dust. Uh, no, it's not. This is angel hair. Angel dust is a very dangerous <laughs> drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're telling me a whole stadium was on angel dust. This is angel hair. Yeah. And have you come across? You've come across this in other UFO encounters. Yes, I have. Yes. So other people have speculated that it's either a byproduct of their engine drive, yeah. or it's used to stop um, ca- uh, the engines catch setting fire to things like trees and stuff like that. But this comes from very high above. There's a witness who says everyone was looking up and there was some glitter coming down from the sky. And then um, the Fiorentina defender, uh, he's, I'm going to call him, I can't do his first name, Mr. Magnini, who had made 20, uh, 20 appearances for the national team, said, we were astonished, we'd never seen anything like that. We were completely shocked. Were Florentina 6-2 up at this stage, or were they the other side? He's the rivals, so he's no. he's he's four down. Yeah. So they're four down. Hell of a way of getting the game stopped, isn't it? It is. <laughs> now, this is this is basically what happened to this story. Was everyone was like, "What on earth is going on here?" It wasn't captured on film camera, but it was captured on. There was, so because this was um, quite an event with these two teams playing, there were a couple of amateur cameras there. Obviously, they're black and white, and their lenses are a bit poor. Yeah. And the images aren't great, but there is very clearly something... Something there. Something there, but it's like, ah, oh, so frustrating. But you've got to think, it's got to... I mean, that is sounding like quite a good game in the first half. You've had, you've had eight yeah, goals, yeah. which is quite rare, for something to almost halt play, and the players... I mean, I get the crowd spotting stuff and then maybe starting it off, but for the players to kind of stop playing and go, what the heck is going on? That's amazing. Now, this is, this is where a huge amount of controversy starts. So, there are, what I've just told you there, there's an egg-shaped craft. Yeah. People have seen an egg-shaped craft. There's 10,000 of them. This is not mass hysteria. An astronomer called James McGaha... Right. Told the BBC that Florentina should have gone for a four-four-two formation. Is that what they're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't interested in this at all. No, he said when I first started looking at this case, I originally thought it was a fireball, but it has become apparent this is actually caused by young spiders spinning very thin webs. What? <sighs> yeah, up in the air. Up in the air. So okay, okay. That seems crazier than a UFO sighting, doesn't it? I mean, there's there, right. there's a lot of questions I have on that front. So I was first alerted to this very peculiar argument about spiders versus oh, UFOs. I think I know where we're going. By Sorry, the pennies dropped. Okay. <laughs> uh, by another podcast, uh, Mysterious Universe, who. Um, covered this somewhat and I just got fascinated with it and I backwards engineered looking at other football matches because I just wondered how sort of unique this was. It turns out it's very unique. So there are two sides to every story, of course, but those in attendance swear on their grave that this wasn't mass hysteria or migrating spiders. They are convinced (laughs) that they were visitors from outer space. Can we just pause on the spider thing yeah i'm going to tell you what the, why, why we think, yeah i'm that. going to tell you that okay. yeah 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 so um roberto pinotti 
who's the president of the Italian UFO Centre, said, I know about the migrating spiders hypothesis, and it's pure nonsense. It's old and stupid story. (laughs) So this comes about because it is true that spiders can migrate by... um, They basically throw up a a piece of silk, which catches the air, and it carries them on the wind, basically. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that that is true. So, but what this hypothesis of the spiders is, is that the, because the wind was blowing in the same direction, obviously in one direction, which it often does, of course, but it was a strong wind, apparently, all of these migrating spiders clump together in an egg shape <laughs> and they're throwing silk up. And what people found that was falling from it was the spider silks. I mean, that's... I mean, if you're looking up... <clears throat> I mean, that thing must have been huge. How did it stay up in the sky, if you right. follow that theory? So, there's a, a, there's a journalist who's going to help us out with this. Giorgio Bettini. Uh, he said he recalled seeing tiny balls moving fast towards the dome of the cathedral. So that's the direction they're going in. He gathered several samples of the angel hair material, and he wrapped them around a matchstick. And he took them to the Institute of Chemical Analysis at the University of Florence. The lab is a respected scientific institution, and it's led by a scientist called Professor Giovanni Caneri. It's a good name, isn't it? The lab took the samples, as well as as other samples they'd received from the same football match, and subjected them to spectrographic analysis. So that basically means, let's have a look at what they're made of. Right. The lab concluded that it contained elements of boron, silicon, calcium and magnesium, and that it was not radioactive. I'm I'm assuming you don't get that in a spider thing. Spider silk is a protein with an organic compound that has nitrogen, calcium, hydrogen and oxygen. The elements reported... Wow. Yeah. um, ...found in the samples Bettini and others brought to the university lab for study did not match the organic description of spider silk. Doesn't sound like it, does it? No. Silicon's no. really interesting, isn't it? Well, you see, what what is fascinating about that is is what would be putting together a string of of such a crazy set of chemicals which you wouldn't normally see together doing anything useful. He yeah. said, trying to sound very scientific, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I know he's no. I mean, did he also say the wing backs for Florentina should have just gone in a bit tighter with the midfield? He 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 didn't say that. I mean, he may have said that. <laughs> it's not reported here. I, I I'm just I'm just my head, getting my head round how you leap to that conclusion if you're an astronomer. You go, ah, I know what it must be. Migrating spiders. There's so many of them. They made this giant egg shape ball. They've put all this silk out and you know yeah it's but it's it's not silk that a spider has it's got silicon and all this stuff in it's it's such a bizarre story to i know i've got the answer isn't it there's a, there's another there's another explanation see what you think of this because at this time elsewhere in tuscany the italian geothermal industry is getting back on its feet after the second world war the first geothermal power produced in the world was in tuscany which processed enough electricity to light four light bulbs in 1904. (laughs) In 1954, it was still the only geothermal power plant in the world. 
but the Italians were trying to make uh, trying to build more. Exploratory d- drilling was taking place in the area around the stadium. The Geothermal Energy Museum still features a tutorial well first drilled in 1956. So they're trying to build new, new geothermal power plants. Right. Uh, and it's famed for its hot springs. Basically, the theory is that drilling in those um, hot streams, you've got a, a bunch of chemicals which would be forced out into the air using the pressure of these hot springs, forming clouds which could contain all of those elements which were captured and analysed okay. Okay. in the lab. So the cloud... So if you go with that theory, the egg-shaped thing is actually a dense cloud and the stuff that's coming out of it could have been created. Okay, that, I buy that more than the spiders. Yeah, but you have to ask yourself, would you get a cigar-shaped cloud of fibrous strands that might drift at altitudes sufficient to be visible over a football match more than 50 kilometres away? Would the resulting fibres test as consistently mainly of boron, silicon, magnesium and calcium when what you would expect to see is a couple of chemicals called tremolites and borates. Right. It's not impossible, but it is highly, highly unlikely. A bit like eight goals in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> you, I didn't know you were so into football. No, I like football. <laughs> that would explain why you're there in your strip, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, as you probably guessed, there was another man who was fascinated by this story. Yeah, I think And that I've was David that. Bowie. Oh. He was so fascinated by the story, that's why he named his backing band... I didn't know that. ...The Spiders from Mars. Wow. And he went back to perform at that stadium because he was so taken oh. by this very event. I bet he was just hoping it would happen again, wouldn't he? Well, when did he play there? Do you know? David Bowie played there in the late 80s. I believe it's 1987. Okay. But I didn't realise that David Bowie was such a UFO nut. No, I didn't know that at all. And I didn't know that's where the spiders from Mars got their name. I mean, God, can you imagine if he is, if he was so obsessed that the backing band got that name? I just, he must have played the song that night when he played in the stadium. What, what must that have been like for him and the audience? That's amazing. Well, I found him talking about his um, sorcerer sightings. Oh. He was quoted in a story for Cream magazine, C-R-E-E-M. Do you know that magazine? It's a rock and roll magazine from yes. the States. So the reporter, who's called Stein, he quoted Bowie as saying that he had a metal pin in his body. So he's, yeah, he's, he's alluding to the fact that he's got an alien implant. He's got an alien implant and added that the musician revealed that he worked at an English UFO magazine. Bowie no. said, Yeah, Bowie said that he witnessed significant UFO activity from an observatory up to seven times a night. Wow. He explained the interaction between craft. He said, I used to work for two guys who put up a UFO magazine in England about six years ago, and I made, six, I made sightings six, seven times a night for about a year when I was working the observatory. We had regular cruises that came over. We knew the 6.15 was coming in and we'd meet up and, and another one would be there. Oh, yeah. They'd be stationary for about half an hour. Then after verifying what we'd seen that day, they'd shoot off. 
And then he just goes on. He just he goes on to talk about. So he's quoted by this journalist who, like, happens to meet him, and he's hoping to get a quote from him about um, Ziggy Stardust because he's just performed his last gig as Ziggy Stardust. Right. And then he keeps coming out with this. Apparently, he was obsessed with the UFOs, and they had to change the subject back to music. Otherwise, he would have just carried on speaking about UFOs all night. You can see now why he was so keen to star in The Man Who Fell to Earth as well. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. To play an alien, that must have been, wow. I No, I never knew all that, and I'm, I'm a big Bowie fan, so, wow, that's amazing. So you can see from the fact that he did change the backing, uh, the backing groups, well, he didn't change the name, he named them that, he did not believe that these were spiders. Right. The evidence doesn't show they're spiders. Yeah. 10,000 people in 1954 and one camera all said it wasn't spiders. 28 years in the future, a BBC journalist interviews an astronomer who says it's definitely spiders. But the people who were there at the scene say it's nonsense, it was not spiders, we know what we saw. That's incredible. Isn't that great? And so the my sort of thesis for this episode, if you like, is... Everybody will try and come up with very reasonable explanations for these things. <laughs> Flying spiders must be the craziest thing. Yeah. But if it hadn't been for the spider thesis, we would never have got spiders that from is, Mars. That is absolutely brilliant. I, I'm just fascinated by that. And it seems like, I mean, we know that pop stars are a little bit, um, you know, they're probably more imaginative than your average man on the Clapham omnibus. Of course, that's why they're in... The profession they're in but i didn't realize that david bowie sort of took things so seriously but also it sort of made me realize we have spoken about pop stars in the past and their close association with the phenomena like yeah. um uh, robbie williams we know is sean a, Ryder. sean Ryder, and of course um, as we were reminiscing last week we covered the song hot chocolate yes. did about a ufo encounter and we had that one that you did about the French group who had a paranormal... That's right, yeah. yes, yeah. But David Bowie didn't come up before because we were, you know, I just we, I just hadn't encountered that part of the, the law, the L-O-R-E. But yes, that is, that is what happened. So, well, I didn't think I could have even more respect for David Bowie, but the fact that he named the spiders from Mars from that event is, that's that's blown me away that's amazing yeah yeah and there's to be frank I, I i didn't want to go into all of the sightings because they do become boring but there are literally if you just a cursory google search will give you maybe 50 football matches where there are ufo sightings and there are some of them contain interviews with the people who were there and they're like yep yeah, i definitely saw this arrow-like thing, um, people reporting cigars, a lot of cigars um, being sent around. But the other thing that I find fascinating about it is that um, as we talk about how sort of either British or USA-centric UFO research appears to be and mm. the topics we cover, now that's probably because we're sort of researching in the English language, of course, I understand that. But what I like is that this gives us an insight because those news reports have been translated into English from Italian or, or wherever they are, Mexican, you do get a little insight into the fact that there are other people seeing them and the witness accounts from there. Unfortunately, the witness accounts are, well, I was watching a football match, I looked up and there was a weird thing. That is pretty much all you get out of it because nowhere else has been able to capture the angel hair 
like this. The, the, I couldn't find any other encounters. I found other encounters with angel hair, and we'll do that another day, but I didn't find one over a football stadium. Thinking of that, so that the Italian stadium one, I'm just thinking is that must be up there of one of the biggest mass UFO sightings ever. I guess Phoenix lights were covered such a wide area. They covered such a wide area, yeah. But there's something really intriguing about everybody almost confined in that small space. I wonder what it was like what the atmosphere was like in the stadium. Was it panic? Was it amazement? Was no, it No, it was it was amazement. Right. It was amazement. Yeah, it was definitely amazement because the footballers were, you know, they're commenting on it as well. I mean, this is it's what I was looking for was things in modern time because we've got things like the miracle of the sun which we sort of know about that, again, has been put down to mass hysteria. The Nuremberg one, I think, is probably the biggest because it was literally everyone in Nuremberg saw this thing. But it's the, it's the, um, it's the difficulty of time and but this inclination to disregard contemporary accounts and go, well, if they think it's a sign from God, they clearly don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. It was obviously a meteorite and also... It looks like a sphere, a spear, and there was probably some spiders. You know, it's it's a it's an insane sort of um, backwards backpedaling from anything that might be paranormal. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting as well. It also tells you something about how tough it is, even a mass sighting like that, for people to be believed. You know, if somebody is willing to come up with no it was a bunch of spiders who clumped together as a reason that seems more acceptable than it's a ufo sighting kind of shows for the ufo believers out there what they're up against doesn't it it really does if but if the best the best fight back is it's spiders then um it's probably easier but i find that I think the trouble with it is, of course, there, everyone's now going to go, well, of course it was spiders. If 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 an astronomer says it was spiders flying, it was spiders flying. Yeah. But what do astronomers know about flying spiders? I guess they may... Had he come across them before, or has he just pulled it out? Of the... It's an odd thing to come up with, is what I'm saying. I think he'd put two and two together and come up with five. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, I I think the chemical analysis for me is the thing that seals it. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, the the kind of thermo drilling sounds more plausible than the spiders to me. But it it's still it's quite a stretch, isn't it's it? It's a stretch. And surely they would have seen that phenomenon before. Yes, and it's fifty kilometers away, not over the stadium. Right. And if it was fifty kilometers away, the wind would have to really blow the strands in the right direction for them to appear clumped 50 kilometres away and then land on the people a few moments later. And also, it would have been a worse name for Ziggy Stardust than the geothermic cloud. <laughs> would just never have lasted, would it? Would have been the end of his career. <laughs> that would have been... Well, the hydrotherms. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like some 60s kind of combo. Please welcome the hydrotherms. Well, Ben, you've blown me away with that. I, to be honest, I think having that information is 
as exciting to me than seeing an egg-shaped UFO in a football stadium that's kind of raining angel hair. Yeah, I'm... I would love if there was somebody still alive who was there. I guess it's going to be somebody who was probably very, a very young... Well, there'd be a teenager or a child now, but it would be lovely to hear what it was like to see that because I think now, like 1954 was 1954 coming out of the war. Now we've seen like more exotic things being shown on you know, cameras and on YouTube and yeah. presented to American Congress. I'd love for them to sort of pass opinion and go, oh, that was similar to what I saw. Or no, it was completely different. Maybe I've changed my mind. Maybe it was spiders. I'd love to have that first-hand account because, unfortunately, we will never know. But but again, what what's interesting, because I was then thinking back um, to your story with the, the dad who made the kites and that kind of feeling of mass hysteria. But what's amazing about the Italian example apart from the bowie connection is that there was some physical evidence there was some physical evidence of what was raining from the sky yes and what was raining from the sky how would i describe it is exotic yes and there were six samples of it wow so you should know there are some people because he wrapped it around a matchstick some people tried to say from the matchstick yeah yeah, but that was only one of the six samples. Right. Well, in fact, he had two, so there's four other samples. Wow. Yeah. So when you look up at the sky, I mean, I'm pretty terrified of spiders. I really don't want to see my grating bloody spiders <laughs> flying around, thanks very even, much. Even if they're from Mars. I don't care where they're from. They're even worse <laughs> if they're from, from Mars. Mars. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep thinking what that must have been like for Bowie to play that stadium, given his obsession with ufos and that he you know he'd named one of his most famous backing bands i would imagine he saw it as um like an artistic statement on the whole ufo subject i think never thought of that angle that's amazing yeah no it's um i tried to find a recording of it and i couldn't i don't i suspect it wasn't recorded yeah but yeah so David Bowie named his backing band after a 1954 event at an Italian football match. Let, let's name it one of the biggest mass UFO events. One of the biggest mass UFO, UFO events I reckon that's in time. Wow. Well, I mean, we're recording it this just before the Super Bowl, so if, um, if there are any American listeners, they've probably seen the game now. It'll be interesting... Yeah, basically, we're going to have to scrap this episode if a UFO lands in the middle of the Super Bowl, won't we? Because we we missed it. We'll put it out for our Patreons and then we'll have to come up with another topic quite quickly. Yes, yes. Well, I love that, Ben. That's a great story. I love the angle of the the mass crowds and football games and gigs. I love that. That's a really good angle. Really well done. Well, thank you very much. And if you at home enjoyed what you heard, please go to patreon.com forward slash TQM pod. Yeah. Join in by giving, uh, by becoming a mechanics assistant. Uh, there's only one tier on our Patreon. We've got a lovely group of people there. Currently, we're all trying to manifest Sherlock Holmes, but that's not the only thing we're doing. We're, there's lots and lots of things happening in that little community. You're obviously all welcome, but if you are part of that, it does help us 
get everything made. It does, thank you. And the, yeah, yeah, just just enabling us to do our research and buy bits of gear and books mainly. A lot of it goes on books. It? it goes on books and a subscription to newspapers.com. Yeah. That's just gone up as well. Yeah, what's well, inflation for you? Uh, when I was a boy. I'm working on something at the moment um, for next week. Uh, you know what? I wasn't going to trail it because I've kind of, I'm not sure if I can pull it together, but actually if I mention it this week, it will really drive me to, to do it. Uh, I'm doing something on, it's connected with life after death. That's very good. Well, I've, I've actually got something I want to call out on. If there is anybody in our audience listening who knows what being a slider means or an SLI person, so you, you're a street light interferer, uh, which that, that does sound wrong when you say it out loud, it does doesn't it? Wrong. But if you have believe you've had an extraordinary experience with street lights, I'd very much like to hear about it because I'm putting together an episode on sliders. Brilliant. Brilliant. Sliders from Mars. Oh, oh! I hadn't even <laughs> thought about that. Damn it! All I could think of was the small, little, delicious burgers. Yeah. But that's because I'm hungry. But yes, yeah, sliders from Mars. Damn, <laughs> damn the pun! I've started today. By the way, I was so bored in a meeting. I've I've been at lots of meetings today. I, twice I used the phrase "pardon the pun," and I hadn't made a pun. I just did it to <laughs> I just did it to amuse myself, and I could see that people were they, trying to work out what the what pun the pun was. was yeah, oh, I hope they're still asking friends tonight. Oh. But um, yes, no pun intended here. In fact, no pun <laughs> given. And um, yes, so yeah, I reiterate: if you know anything about sliding, hit us up on our socials. If you don't, don't worry. I'll just go to other sources. Great. Well. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with more Quantum Mechanics Weirdness. See you then. Take care. Bye. the quantum mechanics.